of music. In the earliest days of the church, there were periods of fasting and feasting, times of celebration, and then remembering that we've fallen away from God's heart and we need forgiveness. The times of celebration are easy to identify. Christmas and Easter, the high holy days. You can add in Pentecost and some individual saint days as well as All Saints Day have traditionally been the celebrations in the life of the church in the days gone by, by which I mean in the life of our parents and hundreds of years ago, as well as in the one hundredths, as in before around the birth of Christ. But there were also fasting and praying and repentance, those kind of times as well. Almost always did they proceed just before those times of feasting. Christmas preceded by Advent. It used to be a time of fasting before you got to Christmas. And prior to Easter, Lent was a time of preparation for those who were going to be baptized that year. Anyone who was separated from the church for whatever reason, and all of the people who were getting ready for Easter. Ash Wednesday today was that beginning of the journey. This Lent, we're on a journey that I've called a journey of forgiveness. Throughout the whole season, exploring God's call of what forgiveness is, how you and I have been forgiven, how we're called to forgive each other, what does it mean to forgive, what does it not mean to forgive, how does anger have anything to do with this word called forgiveness, and how do communities have something to do with forgiveness? Now you might just be sitting there saying, what in the world does this have to do with me? And you might also be thinking, I'd rather just let sleeping dogs lie if any of this has anything to do with me altogether. At its heart, forgiveness is about your relationship with Jesus. Like our ancestors, we enter this season of the church year reflecting and rediscovering where God is calling us on the path. We know that there are ways in which we have fallen away from the good news that following Jesus brings us the way, the life, and the truth, and that we have hope through Christ. If you've not had a chance to pick up the Lenten devotional, I want to encourage you to make sure you do so. It's in the fellowship room. It's also going to be on Instagram and Facebook. You can receive it by email, so multiple ways you can get it. Throughout the season of Lent, not only will this be explored in worship, but even deeper 
through the devotional. Pastor Margie has put a lot in through her devotionals. I've written some myself. You don't want to miss out on any of this. So during the season of Lent, there are times in which people feel a call to give something up, to fast, perhaps. And I mentioned sometimes people will feel a call to take something on, like a spiritual discipline. On this Ash Wednesday, we repent, turn back to Jesus, and sometimes we find ourselves saying, I did that once before. I don't know if you can read what this cartoon says, but at the very bottom, it says, I did that once. If I remember the date here, it says, I did it once, October 10th, 1979. Maybe you feel like that too. I certainly can. But we repent. We turn back to Jesus and let go of the guilt and the shame that have held us back. Sometimes we don't even realize we've been holding that like pieces of luggage. Let me describe it to you. Guilt is a feeling like you did something wrong or you perceive you have. Whether it's taking the last slice of your loved one's double fudge chocolate cake they were saving for after work, or you said some hurtful words amidst an argument. You can point to the specific actions that are wrong, but it's not about the size of what the wrong is. On the other hand, shame is a little bit different. Shame says you or I as an individual are wrong. The, the whole self, not specific to a thing you did. I'm a failure. Nobody's interested in what I have to say, and I never get it right. Brene Brown, a researcher on shame, says it like this. Shame is a focus on self. Guilt is on the behavior. Shame says, I'm bad. Guilt says, I did something bad. Guilt says, I'm sorry, I, I made a mistake. Shame says, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. As you and I come to this Lent, we come before God with an incredible sense of mortality. Most of us are sitting here with ashen crosses on our forehead, a reminder that we are the stardust of creation, the mark of the creator, and there will be a day when we return to the stardust of creation and the arms of our creator. Our reconciliation with God is a part of our discipleship journey. When we reconcile with God, that often calls us to reconcile with others. Now, you and I know that there's sometimes other things that keep us from doing that. Sometimes there's some grudges, and sometimes there's a little bit of pride that happens and keeps us from this kind of forgiveness. There's a story that goes like this. Maybe you've heard it. There was a pastor and spouse who were given a garden party. And they invited everyone to this party with beautiful invitations. They were engraved. 
and the backyard of said party was manicured, it's parsonage, and it, tables were decorated, the lawn was beautiful, everything bloomed. This thing was done out to the nines. It was gonna be the event of the year. However, the night before the party was set to take place, the pastor discovered that as they were going down the list, Mrs. Snoot, the uh, charter member of the congregation, the resident matriarch, she'd been left off the list of this particular event. Now, pastor, immediately calls Mrs. Snood and says, I'm so sorry, it's been a terrible oversight. And Pastor pleads, won't you please just come anyway? I, I didn't mean to overlook you. Mrs. Snoot replies, it's too late, Reverend. I already prayed for rain tomorrow. Sometimes we have things that get in the way of forgiveness and reconciliation, you and I. In Paul's letter to Corinth, he reminds the community of faith in likely his fourth letter, we call it the second, but he's written a number of times, to be reconciled to God. Eugene Peterson, in his translation, The Message, translates it this way. Become friends with God. Don't just be reconciled. Become friends with God. It's not singular, though. It's not just one of us become friends with God. It's like this. You all, as in all of us, become friends with God. As we move into this season of Lent and journey of forgiveness, we are a community together doing this. We have different experiences, and we have different lists of people who we want to forgive and people who we want their forgiveness. We know exactly some of us who we need to forgive, and we know some of us who we think ought to come to us begging for our forgiveness already. When I shared that I was going to reflect on this forgiveness, there might have been some of you who had people in your minds right away who could ask you for forgiveness. Anne Lamont, who sometimes called the patron saint of impolite honesty, says it this way, I continue to wait for some people to come begging me for forgiveness before they die she says. A change that is as likely to happen for me as a breakthrough for the turkey in the New Yorker cartoon marching around with a placard that says, repent. I'm waiting, she says, for the damaging boyfriend in my life, the one I broke up with 20 years ago. I'm still waiting for him to come and for come with the forgiveness. Others, my poor mother, the one who she describes as both a terrorist and a child. And my father, she says, he was a womanizer. He taught me to disrespect her and myself. 
Now they're both dead, she says, so there's not much hope, but still. She says, I also want forgiveness from George W. Bush, I've given up, and Clarence Thomas, but also, she says, me. I want forgiveness from me. Anne Lamont has a way of speaking truth that we need to hear. To forgive ourselves, we need to forget, not forget, about the challenges of life or give in and be weak. But instead, we have to let our death grip on guilt and shame go. We share our stories by repenting. When we share our stories with those who respond with empathy and understanding, shame doesn't have a chance to survive. When we confess our behaviors and repay unresolved debts, guilt unclenches its grasp on us. But we can only do this in community. We can only follow Jesus in community. When we connect with each other, our compassion rises. That's how you and I follow Jesus. Self-forgiveness isn't a loophole to let out of the admittance of wrong or restitution. It requires humility and an awful lot of hard work. Often, guilt and shame hang on to us without us even picking them up. You know, this fall I was out picking up sticks, maybe you all do this sometime, and the weather was out in the 50s and I just had a sweater on. And after I came back from the task, I noticed the most unusual thing. The sweater I had on had these little sticky briars all at the edge of my sweater. I hadn't even realized I had picked up all of these tagalongs when I was trying to pick up these sticks. Guilt and shame are often the exact same way. And picking them off one by one, you all have done this before, this hard work is the only way to let it go. May this Lent be filled with grace as you release guilt from the grudge and the anger, the bitterness and the pessimism, the pressure and the selfishness and the shame of believing because somebody told you somewhere you didn't have enough and embrace the God whose ways are always loving, are always true, who always guides us and always reminds us that as we follow Jesus, God will always be there with us. This, my friends, is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.